Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show. How are you? And hey to all of my friends in Japan. We want you to know our thoughts and prayers are still with you. We have a great leader in America who is fighting for this, and that's Yoshiko Dart. So we're with you. We're behind you. And speaking of advocacy, we have a great guest with us today who is a partner in a national consulting firm and an advocate for people living with HIV-AIDS. He has really worked hard in his life, I know, because of many of the events that he has had, and we are delighted to have him as a guest today. Brandon McSada, welcome to the show. Joyce, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you again. I think for our listeners throughout the country and around the world, how about if we start by you telling everyone about Mixata Cornegay Group. Well, Joyce, uh, the Mixata Cornegay Group, we are a, a political consulting firm. We specialize in uh, media relations, uh, event planning, uh, public relations, fundraising, and grassroots advocacy. We have been in business since uh, 2003 and have worked with um, national, state, and local candidates for office as well as um, or national and statewide organizations that are looking to influence public policy. And we, we pay particular attention to health care and disability-related issues when we work with clients. And you're based in? <laughs> you know, we spend half of our time on an airplane, Joyce, but uh, we are based in Washington, D.C., but we have worked with organizations and candidates all over the country from uh, Nevada to Florida to uh, Illinois uh, Connecticut, you name it, we have pretty much been in almost every state. Well, and I can see why you would be in Washington, D.C. if you work in the political area. I mean, that really makes sense. But that's right. No matter where you are located today, it's like one big world, no matter where it is. You know, it's funny. When I was growing up and I told my mom when I was going into college that I wanted to go into political science, she used to ask me why did I want to go into something that was so boring. And, and I laugh about it now because you look at what was happening here in, in Washington, D.C. last week with the budget and the shutdown. It was like a soap opera. So I, I don't understand what's boring about that. I mean, we went up to, what, the, the 23rd hour before the government was ready to shut down. Uh, so I don't think there's anything boring about it. And, and quite frankly, it impacts every single aspect of our lives. It does. Yeah, I don't think there's anything boring about it either. Uh, and, you know, for all young people listening to this show, that's a great career, a great degree in political science. So think about that when you're planning your future. And, Brandon, I know that at your firm that you also work in training organizations in grassroots advocacy, which I really didn't know you did that before, and I'm sure there are a lot of not-for-profits that may be interested, so could you explain that? Sure. Well, you know, former House Speaker Tip O'Neill used to say all politics is local. Uh, I, I agree with that halfway uh, because, yes, there, a lot of politics is local. It's at, the, it's at the local community level where you can really make it an impact, but as you see right now with what's happening in Washington, there's a lot that you need to be paying attention at the national level. So, you know, politics isn't necessarily local. It's national, state, and local. But in all three cases, you can influence it by, by being involved. And it's not rocket scientists. And I think 
once people realize how easy it is to interact with their legislators, with their lawmakers, they, they learn how they can truly make a difference in, in influencing uh, public opinion, public policy, and the laws that govern uh, you know, them from a, on a day-to-day basis, including the funding streams that follow those policies. You know, when you're working with different constituency groups, um, what do you say to people about them registering people to vote? Because some groups do more than others, as you know, and yet whether you're Republican or Democrat, this is so important in this country. What do, what do you tell people about that? You know, Joyce, disability is a perfect example. Uh, it is it is probably one of the few issues that remains bipartisan in Washington D.C. Whether it's you know you look at all these other issues from gay rights to abortion to uh, the the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, all the way down the line, it's truly divided on a partisan basis. And yeah, you have some crossovers from Republican to one issue or Democrats to another issue, but disability is one of the last areas where both parties really see the value of. Um, enacting uh, meaningful laws that that integrate people with disabilities into all aspects of of their communities, and I I think it, it goes back to that age old saying: if you're not going to vote, you don't have a right to complain. Um, once you vote, then absolutely you have a right to complain because you are involved in the process. And you know we elect these people; they they work for us. We don't work for them. And I think the more people who are engaged. Uh, in the process, the better. I think it makes the, the process more competitive. I think it makes it more lively. And I think uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle start to understand how what they're doing here in Washington or maybe at the state level in the state capitol, how it truly impacts people's lives on a day-to-day basis. Yes, I agree. And, you know, I tell people that their vote counts. Their votes make a difference. I mean, just think of some of the prior elections, such as Gore and Bush. I mean, your vote can make a difference. And even at the state and local level, I know that people have no idea the power of sending a letter to a senator or to a representative, but it does make a difference. Don't you think so, Brandon? Oh, Joyce, it absolutely does. And whether it's an election, I think the closest election last uh, in the midterms of 2010 congressional election was 58 votes. I mean, that's a neighborhood. I mean, you think about it, that's a neighborhood that decided a congressional seat. And there's only 435 of those in the U.S. Congress, so voting does make a difference. But so does writing your members of Congress or picking up the phone and calling them, you know, I work here in Washington, so when I walk into an office, they see me as a quote-unquote hired gun. Whereas if you were to walk in you know, from your Pittsburgh area to the member of Congress or members of Congress representing the area of Pittsburgh, that has so much more influence over their decision-making power because, once again, they work for you. You're the one who helped put them there. And what the you know, voters also have to remember, people also have to remember at the local level is, even if you didn't vote for the congressman or the congresswoman in office, you still have an ability to sway their opinion by being involved in the process. So, you know, we can't complain about funding. We can't complain about, you know, not having access to, to services. We can't complain about not having equal rights if we're not engaged at the process, in, in the process. That is so true. Uh, and I say the same thing to people. If you don't vote, then you cannot complain. Well, let me ask you, uh, here we go from Facebook and Twitter. We have a question for you, Brandon, from Mary in Philadelphia. And the question is, uh, have you enjoyed working as an entrepreneur? What would you say are the pros and cons? Well, you know, Joyce, it- Working for yourself, running your own business, isn't that the American dream? Isn't that what America is all about? I mean, I come from a family where my grandfather on my mother's side uh, owned and operated his own business for almost 50 years. And I was probably eight or nine years old when I first started working down at a glass store. It was a glass store, mirror store. And it was the, you know, started off with the, the small tasks of sweeping and washing mirrors. And then as, you know, I got older, I, I was able to do uh, more, you know, harder duties and harder tasks within the the company and i think it was instilled in me that work work ethic was instilled in me so the pros and cons well you know i work from home when i'm not on a plane and people say oh god that must be so wonderful to work at home well the the flip side choice is that computer staring at me all day long (laughs) 
and I can't walk away from it because it's there. And it's like sending these subliminal messages to my head, don't walk away from me, come back and work. But clearly with any job, with any profession, there are pros and cons. I love what I do. No two days are, this, are, are alike. And I'm really in a position to help people help themselves and to get people engaged at the local, the state, and the national level. What would you say are the negatives? Oh, the negatives. Well, you know, if anyone has ever worked in in, in politics, um, we can easily see how the most minute issue can can take complete control of the airways. Um, you know, I look at trying to access or you know deal with trying to get access to care for people living with HIV and AIDS here in the United States. And I beat my head against the wall sometimes trying to get the news media to cover it. And yet then a story will run about Kevin Smith, who uh, got kicked off uh, Southwest Airlines because they said he was too fat. And it's all over the news, and my phone is ringing off the hook from MSNBC and Fox News and CNN wanting to interview me about the subject. And I think to myself, where are our priorities? Providing access to care for people living with HIV or debating whether somebody's rear end was too big to fit in a seat, um, which, you know, if you go into that whole issue, I think it's an unfair policy that the airlines get into, but it just shows you that sometimes, you know, we don't control this process, but we still have to, you know, play the game. Right, no matter what that game is, and sometimes that's difficult. Let me get Brandon, why were they all calling you? Well, because it sells. It's sexy, Joyce. You know, here's a, here's a Hollywood producer who was basically was told he was too fat to fly. That was the headline, too fat to fly, and, you know, was, was kicked off the airline. It was on every national broadcast. But then yet, think back, Joyce, to a gentleman who got uh, escorted off the U.S. Airways flight because he um, was quadriplegic. I think it was yeah. covered by one, one station, ABC News, and then I think it was covered by one print, uh, CNN Online. So, you know, here we go from the sensationalism of, you know, the unfair treatment of a, of a passenger of size that gets covered by every network in, under the sun and every print, you know, publication under the sun. And yet, here's another issue that impacts, uh, you know, a person with a disability who's been flying for how many, I think it was 20 years he's been flying, 100,000 miles a year, and it's, it's hardly even covered. So I think it's the sensationalism that sometimes this really you know, makes my blood pressure go up. It causes a lot of stress, stress in my life because it just, that, those are the game, those are the rules that we have to play by. All right, well, with that, we're going to go to break right now. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Brandon McSada, the managing partner at McSada Cornegay Group and a national advocate for people living with HIV, AIDS, We'll be talking to him about that as soon as we get back. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Brandon. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We are talking to Brandon Mexada, who is the managing partner at Mexada Cornegay Group and so involved in so many other things at an executive level and CEO level. And we'll talk about that. I want to start with uh, Brandon. I know that HIV Plus Magazine acknowledged you as one of the top 25 LGBT leaders fighting HIV AIDS. Would you mind telling our listeners what caused you to be so passionate in this area? You know, Joyce, I've been living with HIV for nine years, and when I was infected, um, the virus didn't, you know, come to me with a questionnaire: uh, Are you gay? Are you a Republican? Um, you know, how do you? Are you religious? You know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't discriminate. It, it'll. It'll. It will infect anybody. It has the opportunity to infect. Um, and I, I think the reason why I get so passionate is you look at H, back to 1996, when, when the public was polled, HIV was the number one ranked public health concern in this country. Fast forward to 2009, HIV is ranked 22 in terms of public health in this country. Uh, it's no longer seen as sexy, and I think we could very easily lose the battle against HIV-AIDS. I think it impacts so many people on so many different levels, and I have an ability to, to help, um, you know, to help people and to get them engaged in this process, and that's why I do it. Well, that is awesome that you do do this. And, you know, when you're talking about it, as you well know, you, we lost a great advocate for AIDS when Elizabeth Taylor passed away. Mm-hmm. And I remember them talking on the Today Show about how many years ago people would not even say the word, let alone acknowledge this. So we have made progress, certainly not enough, but we have made some progress. And like you, for example, when you were first diagnosed uh, HIV positive in 2002, how did that change your life? What did that, what did that do with you? It focused me, Joyce. Uh, it motivated me. Um, I, you know, just as my being a gay man doesn't define who I am as a person, uh, Brandon defines who he is as a person and, and how he was brought, how I was brought up by my parents uh, and the experiences that I've lived in my life. And it was the same thing when I found out I was positive. Uh, it, my HIV status does not define who I am. Uh, so when I was confronted with this uh, diagnosis, at the time, I was working in Washington, D.C. I was representing a national uh, disability organization, and I had mentors. I had people all around me who, who deal with their disability on a daily life. Peter Thomas, John Kemp, Charlie Harless, Cheryl Bates-Harris, Tony Young. These were all colleagues and friends, and I looked at myself you know, in the mirror and thought, if they can do it, I can do it. And I'm not one of those people who's, who's ashamed to have HIV. I'm not one of those people who's ashamed to consider my HIV a disability. I'm a proud person with a disability because it doesn't influence who I am as a person. It helps define what I do in my daily life, but I'm no different than the Brandon who was HIV negative nine years ago. I'm the same person. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, I mean, that is amazing how, well, just like me, I have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But I'm Joy Spender. It just so happens I'm living with epilepsy. But sometimes people focus too much on one part. And one other question, follow-up question I have is did, when, you know, when people have epilepsy and or psychiatric disability, really any disability, and they tell members of their family 
frequently people are treated differently. That's why anytime I go to a company and they say, oh, we've never hired people with disabilities before, I say, oh, yeah, you have. Exactly. Yeah, they're sitting right here at the company. Yeah, they have uh, epilepsy, psychiatric disability, MS, HIV, whatever it is. It's just they aren't telling you because they don't want to be treated differently. So my question to you is, did you have friends and or family that treated you differently when they found this out? Not differently, but I, they definitely, a lot of, uh, whether it was my family or, or some of my friends, you know, they didn't necessarily know a lot about it. And they, they admitted that they didn't know a lot about it. Um, because, again, it gets back to what I said earlier, that, you know, HIV went from being the number one public health concern to 13 years later, it's number 22. It, it's kind of moved off of our, our national conscience. You know, we think HIV-AIDS is a problem over in sub-Saharan Africa or the Caribbean. We don't think it's a problem here anymore. Um, and I think everybody that I told was shocked, but they saw my attitude. They saw that I was uh, still confident. They saw that I was strong. They saw that my health was, was, in, you know, was good. And I think they fed off of that energy, and they saw that it was no longer a death sentence like it was back in the 80s and early 90s. And I've, I've used it as an opportunity to educate them, and hopefully in turn they educate their friends and family. Oh, yeah, that is awesome and certainly very much needed. Um, but as I mentioned to you, I guess you do feel it has changed. If it went from number one to number 22, do, do you notice also in conversations people are easily talking about this more than they did before? Um, I don't think people talk about it anymore. I, I think, you know, you look at what President Bush did, um, George W. Bush did. He was truly a leader on HIV-AIDS as it came to international AIDS relief. I mean, he started PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Plan for, um, you know, AIDS relief. It was truly a, a historic uh, program, an effort on the part of this country to help people overseas. Here domestically, unfortunately, the President failed. Our programs here withered on the vine um, domestically because people just don't see it as a problem. And unfortunately, whether it's in racial and ethnic uh, communities of, of color, you know, it, it's not talked about. Uh, if you go into a lot of the rural areas, it, it's disproportionately impacting the South. It's not talked about. So there is the stigma that still permeates around this issue. Uh, before I came on your show, I did a little bit of research. In 36 states, Joyce, 36 states, there are criminalization laws on the book as it relates to HIV-AIDS. Um, these laws do not work. Every major credible study that's been done has shown criminalization laws about HIV do not work. They're actually counterproductive because they um, actually force people or um, persuade people not to go get tested because they figure out of sight, out of mind. That is unbelievable, Brandon. What do you mean? What do you mean when you said it's criminalization? What? What do you mean? If I were to infect somebody, even if, um, you know, whether, if I were to infect somebody with HIV, um, I could be charged with, in some states with manslaughter, attempted manslaughter. Um, uh, you know, you go down, I mean, I can, I, I can email you a document that's been uh, put together by the um, Lambda Legal um, organization about uh, state laws criminalizing conduct based on HIV status, and you would be blown away that this is in the United States. This isn't in, you know, some dictatorial regime in the Middle East or somewhere else that you might hear of on the news. This is in the United States, and this isn't in all, you know, conservative red states. This is red states, blue states, northeast, southeast, the west, doesn't matter. There are 36 states that criminalize people and behavior based on HIV status. Wow, that is shocking. That is terrible. That's shameful. It is. Yeah, you'll have to send me that document. And, you know, I have never understood why such emotional topics are so much part of the presidential campaigns. You know, why do you think that is, Brandon? Uh, Abortion, you know, gay marriage, the whole thing. These wedge issues always, they rally up both sides. You know, whether it's you're a Republican, conservative, Republican, or a, a liberal Democrat, uh, you know, I, it does blow my mind that we spend so much, you know, time talking about these. I mean, you think about what was happening last week in Washington uh, and the fact that the federal government almost shut down, and one of the biggest drivers behind the contentious debate 
was a, a proposal to cut $300 million, million with an M, from Planned Parenthood. So we're looking at a, a budget deficit of $1.6 trillion this year, and we were squabbling over $311 million. Um, and the only reason we were doing it was because of you know, Planned Parenthood's involvement in abortion. I just don't, I don't see it raising to the level of, of other issues, but that's my personal politics, and I'm sure there's others, maybe even some of your listeners who would disagree, but these are the wedge issues that, that define our politics. You can turn on Fox News, you hear one story, go to MSNBC, you hear the exact opposite story, and I think that's the reason why as a nation we're completely divided. Yeah, and we are, right down the middle. Yeah, that, and that's, you, you know, though, I tell people all the time, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I care that you vote, and I care that you respect the office of the President of the United States. Because, truthfully, you know, here we are, a country where you can express your views and not be shot. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, Joyce, one of the things that does frustrate, with, frustrate me in my advocacy within the HIV-AIDS community is we have not learned the lesson of, from the broader disability community. Again, I go back to Disability, in a broad sense, is still a bipartisan issue. We have leaders of both parties. Right. That's not the case in the HIV community. We, the HIV-AIDS community is strongly aligned with one party over the other. And clearly there are some actions by the Republican Party that would lead a lot of advocates uh, to that direction. But, you know, when you have a monolithic view toward the political process and you're all you know you ninety percent of your voters are aligned with one party that's great when that party's in power but when that party's not in power you are totally shut out of the process and i don't think we've learned that lesson from the broader disability community and until we do i think hiv aids and, and the funding that's necessary and the programmatic reforms that are necessary um, are not going to happen absolutely we need to hold the, the lawmakers' feet to the fire when they, um, you know, say something absurd about HIV and AIDS and the transmission and, and whatever else related to it. But at the same time, we need to recognize the leaders in both parties that, that truly try to make a difference in, in the lives of people living with the disease. Yeah, t together we can do so much more. There's no question about a good example, ADA Amendments Act. Jim mm -hmm. Sensenbrenner, Steny Hoyer. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It takes both sides to make something happen, both parties. And that is so critically important. And with that, we're going to go to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we've been talking to Brandon McSada, a civil rights leader for people living with HIV-AIDS and a very successful businessman with McSada Cornegay Group. We'll be right back to talk about some of the other many things this man is involved with. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters every single day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're talking to Brandon McSada, managing partner at the McSada Cornegate Group, but also CEO of ADAP, A-D-A-P. So, I know what that is, Brandon, but why don't you tell our listeners about that organization? Um, ADAP stands for the AIDS Drug Assistance Program, uh, and I serve as the CEO of the ADAP Advocacy Association. And this, the ADAP program uh, is designed to provide life-saving medications for people living with HIV-AIDS who are either uninsured or underinsured. And uh, it's, it's authorized across the entire country, and uh, it's basically an organization that works to increase access to care for people living with HIV-AIDS. And how difficult is that to obtain that medication? Well, you know, up until the Great Recession, it was it was it was pretty stable. Um, you know, we had some bumps along the way, uh, but since 2009, we have been in the middle of what we call the perfect storm. As of last Friday, there were 7,900 Americans in 11 states who are on waiting lists. Um, these are people we know are positive. We know need access to these medications. We have a program designed to provide it to them, but because the federal government is not appropriating enough money, they have to wait for these medications. And this is in the richest country in the world, a country that's fighting, you know, three wars, um, helping countries all around the world with various problems, but we can't take our, care of our own people here in the United States. It, it's, a, it's a travesty. Uh, and the, when you go out into the community and you talk to people living with HIV/AIDS, they'll they will share two words with you to describe how they fear, uh, how they feel, fear and anger. Now, who pays for this normally? Normally, this a, we're, we're, what would be the fund that pays for this medication? This is a it's a federal state program. So the federal government appropriates um, money every year, and the states have a, a state contribution. Uh, however, over the last five or six years, uh, the, the, the amount the federal government appropriates has gone from 74% of the program down to 48%. They're, they're, they're providing more money every year, but it's not enough to keep pace with demand. And, and a couple things are, are, are increasing the demand. Clearly, you have high unemployment, so people are without insurance. Uh, but the state budgets are, the states are cutting their budgets. But we're also putting a, a lot of emphasis on prevention. We're telling people, go get tested know your status. Uh, everything we know about this disease says hit the disease early and hit it hard. Go on these medications um, and, you know, you'll be healthier and you'll also become less infectious. And then we're telling people, oh, yeah, we don't have enough money, so go stand in line. It's absolutely the wrong message we need to be sending to people living with uh, the disease in this country. Okay, so, Brandon, let's just say you're employed and you have really good health care insurance. Then what? How hard would it be then? Um, usually you're, you're in pretty good shape if you have private insurance um, in terms of being able to get the, the necessary medications. I mean, it may de- your co-payments may vary. Um, you know, for me, my, if I were to go out on this, you know, just on the, the general market, my medications would cost me about 1300 a month. Uh, because I do have health insurance through my company, uh, with all my co-payments, um, I, I spend about $90 a month. So, I mean, there's a considerable difference between $90 and $1,300. And I was once on the AIDS Drug Assistance Program. When I went to work for myself and I did not have any insurance and my previous employer was not eligible for COBRA, so I didn't have COBRA, um, you know, I went on this program for six months. And, you know, it was a lifesaver for me. So I, it, it, this is an issue that, that impacts me personally, and that's one of the reasons why I, f- I fight so hard, of, uh, you know, for people who need this program. Yeah, I have to tell you, when I think about that, what you said, all those people waiting, that's terrible. 
because of what will happen next. I mean, that's really terrible. You know, the average cost, is, um, according to the latest report, is about $800 per month per patient. So would you rather spend about $9,000 a year to provide a person who, who needs these medications to, 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 so that they have access to them, or would you not have, them, have their immune system progressively get worse and end up in the hospital and literally over four or five days rack up $100,000, which they're not going to be able to pay, which guess what? You and I as a taxpayer are still going to get stuck with the bill. So would you rather spend eight or $9,000 over the course of a year or seventy to $100,000 over the course of a week. I mean, it's just, it's one of the best return on investment programs that the federal government runs in terms of public health, and we just cannot get our lawmakers, regardless of political party, to step up to the plate and, and address this problem. Well, we hope people listening to this show, you know, remember what I said, the power of writing a letter to your representative? We are all about disability includes everyone, everyone. So if you're listening to the show, you can take action by writing that letter. Um, And as a matter of fact, Brandon here, boy, Brandon, you are involved in many things. You know that? You are the man about town because you are also the executive director of the Association for Airline Passenger Rights. Before you tell us about this organization, how the heck do you find time to do all this? Uh, well, I worked uh, 17 hours a day. No. Um, you know, it, it's what keeps me going. Uh, it's what motivates me. You know, you asked me earlier about how did I react when I found out about my HIV status, and I, I truly meant it when I said it focused me and it motivated me. And I have really, you know, dived into as many things as I can that, that all work toward um, improving uh, the lives of people living with disabilities, people living with HIV/AIDS, uh, or you know, fighting discrimination of any kind, whether it's based on sexuality, um, size, you know, you name it. I-, I just think that the only way we make this country a better place is to, to stand side by side with one another and and work together. Yeah, I agree with that. So, how about if you tell our listeners about AAPR? Um, the Association for Airline Passenger Rights is only about two years old. It's a nonprofit organization, and we aim to educate lawmakers on travel-related information important to all airline passengers. Uh, but one of the things we focus on is improving accessibility for passengers with disabilities. And there goes your example of the person with quadriplegia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what I've noticed is that some people really you know, have a hard time when the flight attendant leaves them, you know what I mean, because they're the last person to get off because they use a wheelchair. Right. Um, And sometimes they are truly left behind for a long time. So this is good to know about your organization so they could get in touch with you. Do you have a website? Uh, We do. It is uh, www.fly.com. FriendlySkies.com, and Fly Friendly Skies is all one word. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, somebody, uh, a person with a disability is not supposed to be left unattended for, for more than 30 minutes. And, and even 30 minutes seems like it's a long time. It is a long time. But some of the stories we hear of, of passengers literally being left on a plane for hours, missing connections, uh, there's just absolutely no excuse for it. Yeah, right. And I have seen that so many times. I have, and but you have to speak up. See, this is one thing I tell people in the disability community. You have to speak up. You can't wait for other people to come and save the day because guess what? They aren't going to come. Exactly. You know, you have, we have to speak up. We have to speak up. We need a paradigm shift here. So, you know, when you're listening to the show today, you see how much Brandon is involved in. That is because he has chosen to give back. And if we all do the same thing, we will be able to accomplish so many things in this world. And that is what it is all about. One question I do have, Brandon, did you say you worked in disability prior to this? Prior um, to being I, I did. I've actually been directly working in disability um, policy since 2000. Okay. Uh, I why represented did, why did a trade you do that? Why did you that... first get involved? 
Uh, well, I by chance, it was one of those things where a trade association was looking for an executive director. I was looking for a job. Uh, I went to a friend and said, hey, I'm looking for a job up there in Washington. Uh, she happened to work for a law firm that was representing this organization and had o- literally had overheard a conversation in the coffee room about how the, the law firm who was charged up with the executive search was having a hard time finding the right fit. And she was like, I have a business card for you. Uh, literally went back to her office, came back with the business card and said, call this person, he's dying to get up here. And, uh, you know, that it, it truly was a, a unique opportunity. And ever since, I have uh, been involved in disability policy. And, and of course, since my, my diagnosis with HIV, I became much more involved in HIV-related advocacy. Isn't that amazing how one person taking time to take action can impact your life so much? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I mean, I, I tell that story. Of course, there's more to it, but I tell that you. story all the time. Yeah, that is a phenomenal story. Well, we have a few last things to go over with Brandon. As you, If you just joined us, first of all, if you think, oh, I wish someone, whoever that someone is, could have heard Brandon talk about all this. Remember, every show for the past eight years is archived at BenderConsult.com and at voiceamerica.com. And you can go to the show, read the show, and we also have captioning for all of our friends from the deaf community. But remember, you can go back and hear Brandon. And with that, we're going to get ready to go to break before we come back to close the show with Brandon McSada. This is Joyce Bender America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Well, hey, we've been having a great show today with Brandon McSada, who is the managing partner at the McSada Cornegay Group, CEO of ADAPT, and very involved nationally fighting HIV-AIDS. And, Brandon, you obviously have had very major obstacles in your life, 
um, that you have been able to overcome, and I have to tell you that there are many people that would not have had your courage and stamina, and yet here you are giving back, helping people. Um, so you had to have someone that influenced you. Who would you say was your role model? Joyce, I have two role models, uh, and that is my father and my mother. Uh, I have been very fortunate to come from a very uh, loving family. Uh, my parents were um, always made sure that I had a, a roof over my head and you know a shoulder to cry on if I needed it, and even words of encouragement when maybe I wasn't quite sure I can do something on my own. And they're the ones who instilled the, the work ethic that I have. Uh, you know, they're ones who instilled in me growing up that you, you treat everyone the same, uh, regardless of race, sexuality, you know, size, gender, doesn't matter. And, you know, those, they're the two people that I look to. They're, they're my compass. And to this day, I remain very close to the both of them. Boy, that is wonderful. That is really wonderful. And I do think that makes a difference in your life. I really do, because when you have people behind you who believe in you, it makes such a difference. How about in the business community? Have you had role models from the business world also? Oh, I I could go on and on, whether it's uh, Dr. Lee Johnston from when I was in college, who was my my advisor at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, who I am still very uh, connected to, to to this day. You know, I graduated college in 1995. Um, but in terms of you know business associates, I mean, whether it's uh, Bill Arnold in the HIV/AIDS community or, or John Kemp in the H in the uh, disability community, uh, you know Joan McGovern in the, the business community. I mean, there's so many people that I could name. You know, I, I kind of feel like a, somebody would we'd be winning an Oscar and forget to mention somebody. But you know, I mean, there's, there's so many people who I, I think you meet people for a reason, and, and you really have to understand what you can take away from that relationship, whether it is personal or professional. And I really try to, to value each relationship that I have with, with friends or colleagues. Well, yeah, how important that is. Enjoy you. I mean, you, you even is. mentioned earlier about your, your shows being archived. I can tell you, and, you know, I'm not, to your listeners, I'm not being paid to say this. On occasion, I go back and listen to shows that I miss because I learned so much from your guests. And, you know, you're so committed to this issue. And, you know, when I talk about disability not being a partisan issue, that it's an issue that unites us, to me, you're a role model in, in that area because you do so much. And, you know, you ask me, how do I have time? <laughs> Joyce, i got to turn that on you and say, how do you have time to do everything that you do? You know what it is? It's the same thing as you. When you're on a crusade, when you're passionate about something, it's amazing how that energy, you know, moves you and you can do these things. But if it were just, you know, not that all jobs aren't important, but even my prior job in executive search, it would not be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it would not be the same. But when you think you're changing lives, making a difference, it is, it is, it does give you that energy to do whatever it takes. Well, Mr. McSada, you are really something. You, you have accomplished so much in your life. Um, and my question to you, this is hard. Now, I've asked every guest the last two questions for the past eight years. So my question is, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Uh, hands down, I, I think my, my greatest professional accomplishment was, was helping to start the ADAP Advocacy Association. As somebody who's living with HIV-AIDS, as somebody who has, you know, I can't tell you how many friends who are living with this disease and looking at what's you know happening in this country uh, to see that there are thousands of Americans who we know could be you know more health, could be healthier, leading more productive lives if they were just you know provided access to these medications that we know exist. Um, you know this is an organization that is only four years old, Joyce, and yet we in four years um, with a, an amazing board of directors and a national grassroots network that, that spans across the entire country including the District of Columbia, uh, the, the Virgin Islands, and uh, Puerto Rico, we're, we're making a difference. I mean, we're connecting people, we're educating people, and we're, we're putting people in charge of their own lives in terms of educating their lawmakers about the importance of the AIDS Drug Assistance Program. And, and whereas, yes, we're in a crisis, 
I think it could be ten times worse if we didn't have an organization like the ADAP Advocacy Association and some other national organizations, state organizations, because they're truly holding people's feet to the fire when it comes to HIV-AIDS. You know, I forgot to ask you this. If anyone listening to the show wants to help that organization out, how do they make a contribution? Uh, they can go to our website, which is www.adapadvocacyassociation.org, uh, and ADAP Advocacy Association is all one word. Uh, and you can learn all about the organization. You can learn about the H Drug Assistance Program. You can learn about the crisis facing these 7,900 Americans. Uh, you can make a donation, and you can even learn about, uh, you know, what events, educational events we have planned. And would you mind repeating that one more time? Sure. It's a long one. It's ADAPadvocacyassociation.org. ADAPadvocacyassociation.org. And I'm going to guess I know the answer to this question, but no matter how small the donation, I'm sure it's appreciated. Joyce, we have received donations as small as uh, $5 and, um, you know, as, as high as, uh, you know, several thousand dollars. Every donation helps. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled by a, f- a $5 donation because it's probably from somebody who's living with a disease and can't afford to probably even give that $5 but feels, heck, it, it's, a, it's what I can do, and, you know, they, they go ahead and they do that. Uh, so, and, you know, it's not even just money. It's, it's volunteering time. It's writing your, your members of Congress. There's so many things that you can do aside from opening up your checkbook. Yeah, and you know why I say that is if you're listening to the show, don't think, oh, I can't give $5,000 so it won't matter. Anything matters. Everything Absolutely. matters. So, you know, don't forget about that. You know, don't forget, don't forget everything counts. So, Brandon, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? It's a very profound message, and that is stay involved. If you're not involved, get involved. Uh, the more you're engaged in the political process, um, the more you are, can truly impact what happens on a, the day-to-day operations here in Washington, maybe your state capital, or even your, your local municipality. But, you know, everything that happens in our lives is impacted by laws or regulations that are passed. And, you know, I just I look at... Uh, you know, the, the disability community and everything that has been done to fight for equality, uh, it, whether it's the LGBT community fighting for equality, you know, the only way we're going to reach, the, you know, that uh, utopia, if you will, is if more people stand up for their rights, they make their voice heard, and they get involved at whatever level of government they, they decide. Amen to that. Well, hey, Brandon, first of all, thank you for joining us today. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much for the invitation. And we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone in America who has made an impact. And as we said earlier in the show, we lost a great AIDS advocate when we lost recently Elizabeth Taylor. So I had to end the show with a quote by her where she said, It is bad enough that people are dying of AIDS, but no one should die of ignorance, said Elizabeth Taylor. How true those words are. You have been listening to me, Joyce Bender, at Disability Matters on VoiceAmerica.com. We're going to be back next week with another great show. And we look forward to talking to you then. See ya and talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.